and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. Daigle, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Doing well. Much bigger guest this week than Will Brinson ever was, so excited to talk <laughs> about football. Oh, well, that's not hard to do, but yeah, Connor, how are we doing? Uh, good, man. I mean, coming off arguably one of the best player prop weeks of my life, uh, you know, it's solid 13 and two week and feels good to be back. You know, it feels good to be great again. It feels good to be alive. Uh, thanks for, uh, folks and our subscribers rolling with us through the Rocky, uh, <laughs> September that it was, but, uh, I feel like we found our footing there. Uh, feeling pretty good about that. So I want to remind everyone to be live here. 6.45 p.m. Eastern every Thursday night, leading you into Thursday night football, discussing our favorite games on the board and taking your questions. So if you're hanging out with us now on YouTube, subscribe so you don't miss a show and jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite bet is this week, side or total. Tell your friends about the show. This is not a fantasy show, so you're not competing with them. You like to have good community wins. Have them join you. Uh, so subscribe, share the show. goes a long way in helping us uh, do lots of cool, fun things at 444. Our guests this week, is an NFL staff writer for The Ringer. You can also hear him often on The Ringer NFL Show, on Spotify, and his YouTube show, The Play Sheets, will make you a smarter football fan. Excited to have him back, one of our favorite guests that we had on last year. It is Benjamin Solak. Ben, welcome back. Thanks, Noonan. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Connor saved my bacon last week. Uh, week five, or excuse me, week six, one of my worst weeks betting of the year, but uh, Connor Props was, was keeping me afloat there uh, <laughs> while I was uh, dealing with some bad sides. I was also very much judging the players in the intro. Why do we have like Kadarius Tony and Taysom Hill? What is this? We got Kyle Juszczyk, like prominently featured. Very interesting assortment. We had to have Kyle Juszczyk because, you know, the red, the four for four red. Uh, oh, that we yes, I should have read that one. That one's nice. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was it was made in the preseason when we thought Kadarius Tony was going to play football. And uh, that's as good as I can. Because I can go. I'm never taking the Tony bait. I, uh, the Pitts bait, though. Yeah, took that one. He was up there, too. Yeah, no, what about the Elijah Moore bait? I mean, I know we have we've lost some friends <laughs> to Elijah Moore, and it seems like you know, he's in a dark place. Elijah Moore is a good ball so. player, and the way the Jets decided to build this was by extending a slot receiver in Braxton Berrios, drafting a slot receiver in Elijah Moore, or I guess they drafted him first, and then drafting Garrett Wilson to play in the slot. Like I don't, they're very redundant right now, and it's funny because the odd man out feels like it should be Corey Davis, but they need Corey Davis because they need size and blocking. It's an important part of that offense. So it's not surprising that they're running into too many mouths to feed issues because they didn't they didn't build the receiver room correctly. So I'm not surprised this is an issue. And if it means Elijah Moore gets to a contender, I don't mind. That's pretty good for me. I like Elijah Moore. Yeah, he can ball out. So excited to see what happens there. Not excited necessarily to talk about the slate. I am excited to talk with Ben, though. He is a fantastic football mind. Again, uh, don't forget to check him out all over those places. The Ringer, Ringer on Spotify. Um, uh, not a great slate of games uh before we do I want to remind you we have two episodes of move the line each week both available streaming here on youtube also in podcast form wherever you consume podcasts in addition to this game preview on uh, friday 2 p.m eastern connor and i are joined by pat mayo for the prop drop show live 2 p.m eastern uh, check that out i think we went like 11 and 1 on the show last week which is pretty fire. average i mean you guys can do better but whatever <laughs> I don't know who the one is. I think the one belonged to Mayo. I'm not sure. No, it was me. I, was I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it was the Kirk Cousins over completions. Cousins. And it's, I mean, the Dolphins were just, you know, just dead. So, they, I mean, they, Kirk didn't have to throw it all after like the entire second half, basically. Uh, Mayo is going to be, uh, uh, I don't know what he's going to do without Cooper Rush rushing unders uh, this week. He's He's been a, a staple three weeks in a row. You know, Cooper Rush under four and a half rushing yards. Uh, that's hit for him pretty comfortably. 
with kneel downs and stuff. So yeah, he'll have to go to, to the well for something else. But uh, all right, Atlanta in Cincinnati. Uh, since he is six and a half point favorites here, 47 and a half is the total in most spots. The Falcons have been plucky, right? Everyone wants to tell you that they're 6-0 against the spread, and that has some sort of front-facing value, and we know that it really doesn't. Uh, defensively, the Falcons are really not built like the teams that have given Burrow and the Bengals trouble so far this season. They mix in single high and two high shells. They don't really blitz very often. When they do, they don't get home. They're 30th in blitz success rate, 30th in pressure rate overall, and dead last in adjusted sack rate here. That might be the handicap. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. I know DJ Reader is out, and that clearly matters for the up front for Cincinnati and how the Falcons want to play. Uh, ben, but I'll let you get kicked off with this one. What do you think about the uh, the Falcons here and their perfect record against the spread? Yeah, so it's funny. Falcons have been the best team for me all year. And now that we're at the official, like, everybody's talking about them, I'm like, oh, it's coming. Like, I got you know, to be careful. <laughs> you got to get off the, the train before it goes over the cliff. But I like the Falcons this week. The DJ Reader thing is the big one. Logan Thomas as well, uh, the, the interior linebacker for the Bengals, potentially not playing. That's a spine of your run defense. And this this Falcons running game is extremely difficult to prepare for. The Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier, physical backs. This offensive line moves up to the second level. And they, they throw a ton of stuff at you. And they do it from a ton of different formations. So they're a really hard team to prepare for on a week-to-week basis. And really the only way to like put the Falcons to bed is to get into a uh, positive game script so they have to throw the football. And even then, like the, the the Rams game, they kind of backdoored it with a block punt. Against the the Bucks, we saw them stay close enough long enough to stick on a neutral script and get back into the back door. And so unless you're jumping out to a big lead, which the Bengals really haven't been scoring in droves this year, the Falcons will run it no matter what. And that's where the Bengals' uh, defense is going to be weak. On the other side of the ball, you're right. The Bengals are low in blitz rate because they don't bring five plus a lot. They do bring guys from different spots, though, right? Like Dean Pease is a Dick LeBeau kind of zone blitz, zone pressure sort of a team, which means he'll send guys from the second level and then he'll drop dudes off the edge. So while you're not seeing the high blitz numbers that have caused Burrow problems, the same confusion that you get at the line with this Bengals offensive line that's still growing, still learning how to work together, they have busts pretty much every game, you're still going to get that confusion from this Falcons team, even though they're not sending five. So I actually like the Falcons' ability to generate some of that pressure that's been causing Burrow issues. I would love to get AJ Terrell news locked down before I really put my chest into uh, Falcons plus six and a half because P's in doing all that chaos is going to leave his corners on an island. And you're, you don't love your T Higgins matchup no matter what. If you don't have AJ Terrell, you love your Jamar Chase matchup. This is a very thin group at corner. Hayward does not have the legs that he did. And so if there's no Terrell, then I think the Bengals have the ability to kind of blow the doors off this thing and, and keep the Falcons in that passing game script such that they don't cover. If they can't, the Falcons are, to me, a, a dynamic and diverse enough running game that they're going to keep this thing within a touchdown. So I like Falcons plus six and a half. There was a subtle change last week, too, for the Bengals. And we have to note it because Zach Taylor really isn't known for making good changes. But Joe Burrow last week, 42 of his 45 dropbacks actually occurred from shotgun. And the result was him being pressured on the fourth fewest dropbacks of any quarterback in week seven. Joe Mixon also, all eight of his carries came from shotgun. And he averaged 5.6 yards per carry. And then, as you noted, on the other side of the ball for this Falcons offense, I think they can hang because... Teams have already thrown the third highest rate of eight-man boxes against them, and the Falcons still rank top five in yards before contact. And you know they're not scared of this Cincinnati defense. Uh, The Bengals' defense is top 10 in yards per play allowed this year, and they've faced 
under center, Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, and Andy Dalton. So congratulations on your defensive ranking. And have allowed, more importantly, the sixth highest rate of explosive runs this year, which we know the Falcons are going to bring at them heavily. So I, I think we get success on both sides of the ball here. It makes me lean the over more than anything. Yeah, that Falcons eight-man in the box thing is important because a lot of teams, when they go to run the ball, accidentally load the box. They put guys in without intention, and they end up bringing good run defenders in. The Falcons want you to load the box. That's on purpose, right? Because they think their guy is better than your guy, right? We're going to put multiple tight ends on the field. Oh, you're going to bring a safety down? Yeah, our tight end is a 250-pound linebacker from Iowa. We're going to win this. We wanted this extra body in here. That A puts you in single high, which now gives me my Drake London one-on-ones, and B means that if I get to your second level, it's just Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley versus a safety. We love that because we got big boys. So they, they that that's on purpose to get those heavy boxes. That's part of the design. It's really not fair to Arthur Smith because, you know, the, the people that are locked into fantasy too much, the Falcons are completely useless for fantasy. So they just think, okay, this team has no offensive players. They can't move the ball or whatever. But Arthur Smith, it's because he does not care about your fantasy team and he coaches them up. Like he coaches a hell of a scheme. Of course, the Falcons are leading the league in pistol and they're doing, they're averaging over five yards per carry from it. They're amazing on offense. So it's just, it's just funny to see the different reactions from the different spectrums of football. What you got, Connor? Yeah. I, sorry, I like sorry to make you follow all that up, Connor. No, I mean, you guys crush it. And a lot of the points there were, I mean, the biggest things were that Atlanta won't be able to get pressure on Cincy and that Atlanta should have success on the ground against uh, Cincinnati here. And if you parse out the stats without DJ Reader, I know you guys mentioned it here, but, you know, without them, they're, they've really struggled. Like, I mean, they're 24th in, in run D EPA, 26th in explosive run rate without him. So, like, it's the numbers are very telling there. And I think that they should have success. My only issue with the over under, I mean, it's 47 and a half. Like, that's, that's kind of a lot for a team that for an Atlanta team that's going to run the ball like I mean 35 times like you know they can't have any missteps there uh but I I don't know I, I for me it's kind of a stay away because I think that both teams have success like you said it's just a matter of like I think that that line like the over under is is really close like I think I think it's about right yeah that's fair it's even more drastic on first down when you look from a DVOA perspective the Falcons are the best running team on first down as we would think and the Bengals are 26th in DVOA on first down rushes. And we know they're not going to get too creative. We saw, what, 15 passing attempts last week for Mariota. Um, we hit both the uh, attempts and completions under. I think we probably go back to the well there this week because the books will probably still hang him into the you know mid-25, 26 range on attempts. Uh, and it's just probably not really how they I think they're leaning into it more so than than every week prior, right? That Saints game, the further we get away from it, kind of looks like an outlier from a uh, pass attempts perspective. So yeah, I don't have any great feel for it, but you got, you guys are making a good case for a Falcons team total over um, even more so than maybe a game over. Uh, but that's definitely something to watch for sure. Again, it made it sound like a really interesting football game guys. So like, it's going to be a fun one for like me, the X's and O's nerds. I'm going to lose money on it probably, but it's gonna be a fun one. <laughs> Moving down the line here. All right. Seattle. Uh, on the road against the Chargers, Seattle is uh, laying five here. This has moved quite a bit. Uh, there were some sevens that were available when the market first opened Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, 50 about out there, 50 and a half out there, some books too. The Seahawks have been terrific in doing something that we thought Pete Carroll um, would just never do, and that is throwing on first down. Seattle's second in the league and first down passing efficiency. And that's kind of been where the Chargers have gone wrong. 30th and pass DVOA on first downs. JC Jackson has been uh, gashed pretty regularly. 
And I don't know. I, I want the Chargers to be so much more. They're just kind of middle of the pack and everything. They will not still let Justin Herbert push the ball down the field. Uh, hopefully they get a little bit more juice here with Keenan Allen back, but that's really not his go-to either. I would love to hear what your thoughts are, Ben, on this matchup. Yeah, I think Keenan helps them a lot just because when you want to play this style of passing offense, by this style of passing offense, I mean, we never run routes further than eight yards down the field. You need a receiver like Keenan Allen. It's just such a good separator in tight spaces. We saw that when the Chargers offense improved on early downs last season, pre-buy to post-buy, a big change was how much they targeted Keenan Allen early. They really made him the feature of their early down passing attack. So hopefully that comes back. Because I like the over in this game, which liking an over in the 50s is like heresy in this current NFL landscape. Um, but that uh, the the Chargers early down pass defense to this the Seahawks early down pass rate and how well Geno's throwing the football, especially against these outside corners where that's the weakness of the Chargers, whether J.C. Jackson plays or remains benched. That's the spot where you want to be for, for the, the Seahawks passing game. And then for the Chargers with Keenan back, I think is a, is a substantial passing game boost. I also like what they've done in the running game recently. They were horrendous to start the season running the football. Last four weeks, they've been top 10 in rush EPA per play. They're giving the ball to Austin Eckler. They've moved away from the Sonny Michelle touches. They're not running as much zone. They're running a little bit more gap power, which is what they're better suited for. And this Seahawks defense is if you can run on us, you can score on us. I mean, like they, they had a good game against the Cardinals, but a lot of that has to do with like defending the option. It's kind of like a, a, a Island game in that sense against traditional power running NFL style schemes. Seahawks run defense has not been trustworthy in the slightest. And that's what the chargers do. And so I think that it's a big Eckler game. I have Eckler overs and I think it's a big scoring game writ large. I think Keenan Allen would help too, especially against this Cardinals defense that is allowing the second most yards per target to opposing slot receivers. And I look around and say, okay, the, the volume, the rates are a plus for the Chargers. And having the fourth most dropbacks on early downs this year, Herbert's averaging 43 pass attempts per game. But at the same time, they've been struggling to produce. Herbert's 20 of 42 inside the red zone. He's been under seven yards per attempt in four or six contacts. Uh, four or six contexts this year, and he's 32nd among all quarterbacks in average depth of target. So I don't want to I don't want to put all the blame like on Joe Lombardi, on Justin Herbert, on Keenan Allen being absent. I think it's a combination, but I am willing to bet on maybe Keenan Allen meaning a lot more than people assume, especially in this matchup. So I am willing to bet on the Chargers offense and however we deem fit, whether it be team total, whether it be DFS, as long as we get Keenan Allen back in this game. Yeah, I agreed with a lot of your guys' thoughts on like the over initially uh, and the Chargers team total especially too. They just use Chargers team total sitting at like 27 and a half, uh, which I think is about right. But I do think that the just like the general, like in general, the game going over makes a lot of sense here. Uh, I'm not really buying the Seahawks. So in DVOA, they got a nice bump after the, the Cardinals game up to 22nd now. I'm not buying that at all. Like I, I, to me, that game doesn't matter. And almost in a way that I know Daigle, you mentioned it, that Justin Herbert hasn't looked good occasionally. I mean, there's a one and a half game where he had his ribs, like it was in the chiefs. And then the Jaguars game, you can just like throw that game out. Like literally had a 35% on target rate against the Jaguars, like by far the worst in the league. I mean, that just, I throw that game away and I think he's looked okay since, but yeah, Keenan Allen, massive upgrade there. Like I think that this game should go over. Um, but the issue is like, I mean, we're, we're betting against the market here. The market opened at 51, 51 and a half, now down to 50, which I'm fine with taking a stand against the market and, and betting the over there. Because I think that probably a game total over here would probably be my lean just like as a whole. And to be fair, I do lean the game over too because yes, Geno Smith, at least results-wise, had the dud last week. Um, on film, still great. Six carries for 48 yards to move the chains is amazing. At the same time though, 
as I mentioned earlier, the Cardinals secondary, at least, and the coverages they run have been much better the last month since they got everyone healthy. So maybe that actually was just a tougher matchup than people assume. And now we get into a softer spot against the Chargers defense. Everyone's walking over. Well, that's Sharp Clark's take, right? Clark wants to kind of tell us that the Cardinals defense is better than uh, than we think. But uh, I know this is something that Shield Capadio, uh, you know, Ben's teammate over at the Ringer talks about, especially early in the season. I think success rate defensively is a great metric to really lean on because we have such a small sample size. So like some EPA stuff I think can be skewed. I think we know that sometimes DVOA can be a little bit noisy. Seattle defensively dead last in drive success rate on the season, 31st in points per drive. So with Keenan coming back, like you could definitely make a case for seeing a little bit more of a ceiling outcome here from the chargers. I just, Part of it is the coaching. I, I want to think that that was a problem last year too, right? We talked about this insanely accurate deep ball passer, this guy who just continues to make big-time throws and very few turnover-worthy throws and then ends up being 22nd in the league in average depth of target like continuously. So part of that also has to be on him where he is not really thinking to look down the field as well. But gosh, it's all there. And I feel like we just – at a certain point, it's going to come together – uh, this feels like a good matchup, but again, we know what Seattle wants to do too. They play, they want to kind of let you beat them by digging and dunking your way down the field. I just don't know that this is a spot for him to unleash a ton of deep balls, but it doesn't mean they can't be efficient. doesn't mean they can't just have a lot of success and still put up a ton of points. I mean, the Chargers are still allowing the second most yards before contact. Like Seattle could play if they want to. Kenneth Walker can have a, blow- have a blow-up game and Justin Herbert can get there. We can get both sides here. Well, Connor and I played Kenneth Walker over today. Uh, incredible efficiency last Gosh, week. He's so good. 21 and 23 carries, broke at like 10 tackles. He looked really good. So I think this is a really nice spot for him too. So Sebastian Joseph Day was brought in to kind of solidify and allow them to do what they want to do up front. And uh, it's not really working. They're still 28th in rush EPA so far this season. So yeah, that's uh, still some holes there on, on the Chargers side defensively. But again, they're beat up too, but uh you know, Drew Tranquil in the middle, not getting it done necessarily for the Chargers, but maybe we'll bet his uh, his tackle prop here, see if he can maybe try his best to to take down Ken Walker here. But uh, shake your head at the tackles, Connor. This is where we're at here. All right, we'll move on to the next one. This is going to be another one. Two weeks in a row, forcing Daigle to talk about the the, uh, the Titans in two shows in a row. We got the, the Colts and the Titans here. Uh, Titans are short home favorites, two and a half off their bye. 42 is the total. It's a rematch from three weeks ago. Titans won on the road in Indy, 24 to 17. Colts came into that one as the league's top rush defense. Uh, didn't really matter. Derrick Henry got rolling early. They got up 24 to three, and that was sort of it. The Titans are basically the anti-Cardinals. We, we talked about the Cardinals early. Like the Titans play their best football in the first half. They're, you know, early schemed 15 uh, is really good. Offensively, they're first in DVOA in the first half, dead last in the second half, uh, 32nd in the Second half feels a little bit more sustainable than the top spot in the first half, but um, there's a couple outliers here too. Like from a red zone efficiency standpoint, they have 13 red zone trips. They have scored on all of them. They have 12 touchdowns, 92% red zone touchdown rate with this offense is completely unsustainable and wild to me. Next uh, closest so, is like Kansas City at 76 or something like that. This is an obnoxious they, number. They're not going to su- sustain what they're doing right now. But like, if you look back to however long Ryan Tannehill started for this team, like 
only last year did they regress. Uh, otherwise, they've been over 60%. Like, they've been an amazing top five red zone scoring team since 2018. Turns out Derrick Henry is tough to, to stonewall. That's you it. tackle yeah. him, but he's going to go forward when he, when, he, when he gets tackled. But obviously, 13 of 13 will not, will not sustain. <laughs> yeah, wild. But Connor, let's just get started here. What do you think about this game? Well, for me in this game, this one's actually tough to break down because I think it really depends on kind of like what Colts team we see here. And like that, I think that impacts the game a lot because the Colts the last, I guess, you know, week or so have really, without Jonathan Taylor, focused on passing the ball. I mean, Matt Ryan dropped back a, a ton. Um, last time in this matchup, Jonathan Taylor went 42 yards on 20 carries. Um, and this this Titans defense here, you know, 31st in explosive pass rate allowed, 29th in pass to EPA, 29th in EPA overall. But the Colts were not able to do like really much of anything last time around. So, you know, what do we see here from them? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Because I feel like, you know, with Alec Pierce kind of emerging a couple weeks ago, with Michael Pittman kind of, I mean, he, he's there. He's a target hog. Uh, he's able to move the chains. Like, I feel like they'd almost be better off kind of like doing that and then implementing some Jonathan Taylor runs, even though Matt Ryan's kind of dusty. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts here on uh, on uh, like their game plan? Ben, I'll kick it to you here. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in a very much stay away spot with this game. I generally lean Titans, which is how I tend to lean because I just like trust the coaching staff. I trust the formula. They know what they are. And then like 50% of the time I get burned, 50% of the time I don't. I'm like, all right, I just don't have a feel on this team very clearly. Um, yeah, the thing for me is that what the – Colts did last week is like, talking about unsustainable things for Matt Ryan, not to get sacked and get hit the number of times they did while dropping back over 50 times is ridiculous. And I don't think that's achievable again. They hope to get Jonathan Taylor back in this game, but if they revert back to the, the run pass splits that they've previously been on with Taylor, even when it was uh Wentz last season and not Ryan, that's a huge disadvantage relative to this offensive line defensive line matchup. The Titans, even with the injuries and the lost players, are still a solid team up front. And the Colts' offensive line is not trustworthy in any capacity, run or pass against any front. Uh, and so that worries me in terms of what the Colts are going to be. Colts going to be run pass wise. So I'm generally not touching this game. I'll probably look at some Alec Pierce props because I think he's continuing to get Matt Ryan's trust. And when he's pressured, they throw Pittman short, but they throw Pierce downfield. So I like overs for that. Other than that, like probably Matt Ryan sacks because I've taken Matt Ryan sacks like pretty much every week. I don't think I'm going to uh, play too much on this game. All of Ryan stuff has been the fourth quarter, Daigle. Uh, other than last week, like he's been like early in the game, he's been rough. Like that's where all the turnovers are coming. A lot of the sacks are coming, the fumbles, um, you know, really outside of last week where they just implemented a completely different game plan. He's been, uh, he's been pretty tough early in games. The game plan you're referring to obviously is, for Ryan to average his quickest time from snap to throw for both Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell to have a five-yard depth of target because all he did was, in dropping back 64 times, get rid of the ball as quickly as possible underneath. Sharp, Sharp Football's Rich Rebar noted that 87% of Michael Pittman's routes this year have been hitch routes. But if you're being sandwiched 13 targets, you can still get there in fantasy when you're being, when you're being only called on for short routes next to the line of scrimmage. At the same time, though, you know, Ryan's not going deep this year. Uh, he only has nine passes, 20-plus yards deep all year long, and Alec Pierce has unsurprisingly accounted for five of those. Michael Pittman's deepest target this year is 17 yards. It's pretty absurd. But, like, downfield, oddly enough, given what they changed their scheme to last week, is where you attack the Titans. Ben and Connor both noted it. Like, the Titans are allowing a league-high 15 yards per target to opposing wide receivers. That's how you catch them is downfield. So I do think it's actually a great matchup for Alec Pierce. And I want to believe that if you can do that and to help Matt Ryan, 
and then feed Deion Jackson 10 targets, you can do the same with Jonathan freaking Taylor. Like this is not rocket science. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I do want to, it's only a one game sample, which makes me pause a little bit when actually betting the Colts. But if you told me to lean a direction, I do want to bet on this change in philosophy from Frank Reich. Yeah, why can't we get a massive target game for Naheem Hines or like Jonathan Taylor? Like we would love that, but like, no, you know, let's wait till it's Deion Jackson time and then we'll implement this, just pepper him with like a dozen targets because that's, why not? You got to get the hands, the ball in the hands of your playmakers. It's just, it's, it's wild. When they they find out that Jonathan Taylor can catch passes and is basically as dangerous with the ball in his hands after a catch than he is with a handoff, it's going to blow their minds. When they figure it out, we'll see if they're still employed by the Colts, but they might figure it out at some point. (laughs) A league high, 44% of their snaps were no huddle too. Like they didn't come in saying, we're just getting rid of the ball quick. They came in and said, we're going to have more plays because we're trying to run the quickest offense in the league. That's important. I don't expect much from Robert Woods necessarily, but like we have to acknowledge that there's really not a lot of other bodies there. And the route participation is up in three straight weeks, 72, 76, 84. And the Colts have really struggled against uh, number one receivers. And I think you have to classify. And I think we're getting Shaq Leonard back in this game. Uh, Obviously very important after they, the Jaguars going in or the, the Colts are going into last week. We're allowing 96 rushing yards per game. Jaguars get 243. <laughs> Clearly a, a absence of both Quiddy pay and Leonard in that game. Yeah. With Bobby Okariki back to the bench. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll that's going to be an interesting one. This is a very similar spot where I took a Titans to not make the playoffs and I have the Colts to win the division. So I feel like I don't need to bet this. I'm already in on it. We'll kind of save it for, for props only. So uh, we'll move on to another one that I think is interesting, divisional game. Uh, Browns are on the road uh, back in Baltimore. Baltimore is a six-and-a-half-point favorite here. 45-and-a-half is the total. Uh, pretty clear mismatch on paper here when Baltimore has the football. Third and offensive DVOA. Browns defense has been probably one of the more disappointing units in the league this season. Bottom three in EPA per play, points per drive, DVOA, but anything you name that kind of really matters. The Browns have really struggled. Poor tackling team. Um, and Lamar has feasted historically as a starter against the Browns and has done really well with his legs. He got hurt early in that matchup, first matchup last season, didn't play in the second one, but he's run for at least 58 yards in five of six games against them, 90 plus in three matchups here. I don't know if the, the Mark Andrews stuff is rest or knee, a combination of both. That would make me a little bit nervous and will probably impact all of our handicaps on this one. Bateman looks like he's going to be back. Um, the Browns want to run the football, but I think this is a tough spot for Nick Chubb, who's mostly spun his tires historically against Baltimore. And then the Wyatt Teller injury is obviously impactful here, Ben. Uh, talk to me about this one. Yeah, no, I can agree with you more. Like, tell me where Mark Andrews is at, and I'll tell you what I'm betting on. Uh, so before then, please keep me away from this game. With that said, uh, I'm going to get a bite of as many Ravens rushing overs as I can. Certainly Lamar. Uh, the Kenyon Drake experience was fun. I guess, but I don't know what we're getting in terms of J.K. Dobbins coming back. And while Drake is better than I thought he'd be for the Ravens, Dobbins still, to me, looks like the better player when he gets the touches. Not sure how the coaching staff's going to behave, but I want to see what Dobbins' health looks like before I figure out how to handicap exactly that backfield. But I'm going to need pieces of of the Ravens rushing overs because that's just a gift horse in the mouth. This team is so good at running the football schematically, how they get on the field, how they use their weapons, how they add their multiple tight ends, what motion they use, how they use Lamar. And then this Browns team, like even if they're right, you brought it up, they can't tackle. 
this is a, a small, soft defense against a team that loves to go heavy personnel and loves to get physical with you in the running game. And so I'm going to get a piece of Ravens uh, rushing overs. And if there is good Mark Andrews news and good J.K. Dobbins news, I do think six and a half for the Ravens is the line to be on. But I'm going to wait until I know. Because if there's no Mark Andrews and like they're just getting Rashad Bateman back, this is, might be the bleakest target group I've seen in a long time. And so I, I like to, to kind of parse that as we get that information coming through. Yeah, be scheming a lot of end arounds for you know, Devin yeah, Duvernay Duvernay and stuff like yeah. Who knows what's going on? Dave, what are your thoughts on this one? Again, we are waiting on injuries. That's where I'm at too. These two teams going back to when Lamar entered the rivalry in 2018 have averaged a combined 54 points against one another. So I came into the week expecting a sneaky shootout in this one, but. Maybe no Mark Andrews. Uh, Rashad Bateman hadn't run a route on over 80% of dropbacks in any game so far this year because they were purposely limiting him uh, to keep him healthy throughout the season too. And I do like Isaiah Likely. I mean, we all like Isaiah Likely. He was targeted on 66% of his routes in the preseason. Dude's a monster. But at the same time, like we would be thrusting him into the fire for 90% of snaps here in place of Mark Andrews, who's just dominated both zone and man coverage. So... Yeah, I, I need Mark Andrews before I have an actual assessment of which way to lean. That makes sense. I, I think that I'm in the same boat, but if he does play, Ravens team total, 26 and a half. I know Noonan and I got on that early when we thought that Mark Andrews thing was nothing. But I mean, this Browns team, it's like not only have they been bad, it's just like who they've played and how many points they've allowed just to how like to teams that are so bad. They had 24 points to the Panthers, 31 to the Jets. I mean, like. I mean, only 23 to the Falcons, you know, uh, Ben's Falcons, but still like 38 to New England, 30 to the Chargers. Like they're just getting, they're getting wrecked. And like now they're playing a Bailey Zappi diced them up last week. I mean, play action diced up. It was, it was impressive, but I mean, not for, not for the Browns. By the way, like we're not going to talk about that game. Bailey Zappi keeping his head up field whenever he's under duress, like, like trade him for Zach Wilson right now. That dude may have something. (laughs) I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah, they should have, you know, we're not talking Pat's Bears, but they should have maybe a little bit of a, a quarterback controversy. I know that they're saying there's not, but uh, yeah, Bailey Zappi at least, you know. I think I was listening to uh, Ben's best friend, Bill Simmons, the other day, and he met, he reminded everyone on his podcast about Belichick's decision to bench Drew Bledsoe for a, a rookie mid-year. Like, Belichick don't care. If you're not turning the ball over, which Zappi has one interception in three games, whereas Mac Jones had five, like, you may stick. You may be the better player, honestly. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. Pat's yes, we obviously need though, to see so. what happens here with, with Andrews before really going there. I'm, I'm, like I said, I, I'm hoping that it's rest. Connor and I did take Ravens over 26 and a half. You're, again, 27 is an important key number in team totals when you look at distributions of scores. So getting on the right side of that is important. But uh, yeah, I think we kind of made a pretty strong bull case for this Ravens offense, assuming that Andrews is in the lineup. So wait and see. Again, we're recording on a Thursday night. Uh, hopefully you can... I'm imagining that sits out there still. People are probably reluctant to get on the Baltimore side, though. It's you know still on the board, but I think we all agree that that handicap is is pretty important um, for the handicap. All right, uh, we're getting closer to the marquee games of the weekend, and we have to talk about the Giants. They are five and one. Uh, they are on the road here in Jacksonville. Jacksonville three point favorites at home. Forty two and a half, forty three out there in the market. I mentioned uh, Solak wrote a great piece this week over on the ringer uh, talking about the giants. And I, it's so frustrating that I I feel like it's almost like indicative of society. And I'm not going to go on like a rampage here, but like we can do two things at once. We can walk 
and chew gum. We don't have to have everything so black and white. Yes, the Giants are not a dominant 5-1 and football team. They are probably not truly contenders. Perhaps I'm out of line. You guys are going to have a chance to tell me why I'm wrong. Um, but they also can be incredibly well coached and taking advantage of key opportunities. Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale are squeezing all of the juice out of this orange right now, and it's working. They're doing it at key times. Um, they need to get credit for some of the things that they're doing, and they're getting some reinforcements this week. Wandell Robinson came back last week. You'll probably see him step into a little bit more. Obviously, there's plenty of opportunity there with you know the Marcus Johnsons and David Sills of the world. Um, Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, they're starting to get a little bit more healthy, and we know what they're going to do. They are going to blitz their face off, play a lot of man behind it, and we have a not a huge sample, but a decently increasing sample of a really struggling young quarterback in Jacksonville when it comes to the blitz. Uh, so, like, would love to get your thoughts on this one. All right, my wife is texting me, and I had to respond. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the the chaos that you bring up, the 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 aspect that the Giants get everything they can out of this orange is a great way of saying it, right? You kind of play the hand you're dealt. And when you're dealt a roster that's, you know, kind of devastated from the Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman area, and Joe Shane's not spending money on this group because we want to wait and be ready for next offseason, you have to get funky. You have to invite variants. We know that. What do underdogs want? Underdogs want variants. And the, and the Giants accept that. They embrace that. They roll with that, and they're 5-1. and one. They've also been trailing for, like, 80% of the game clock or something like uh, football outsiders had it. They've been trailing more than any other team with a winning record. And the Jaguars have been leading more than any team with a losing record in terms of game clock. That's how you end up with a three point favorite on a five and one versus a two and four team. And just like no square way to handicap this thing. The Jaguars struggles with the blitz are very real. And that's what gets me a little bit worried about Jags minus three, which is generally where I lean on this side. Probably won't touch it in that regard. Do like rushing overs for the Giants, both Daniel Jones and uh, and uh, Saquon Barkley. Foley Fontacasi is the player to watch here. We talked about DJ Reader, his impact at the nose tackle for the Bengals run defense. Fontacasi's been out since the Eagles game. He's their nose tackle in Jacksonville, and since then they've gotten devastated by the running game. Philadelphia, Houston, and then the Colts didn't really run the ball. We talked to the Colts. We're kind of trying to change philosophy there. Uh, if Fontacasi isn't to go, which he's been limited, so he's a guy to watch, then I like the Saquon uh, over on rushing. Regardless, I like the Daniel Jones over on rushing. Connor always talks about we like to uh, play rushing quarterback overs on teams that play man coverage and team that blitz. The Jaguars aren't like super league leading, but that's their general defining characteristic is that they, they want to bring pressure for you on late downs and they want to be able to play man coverage on late downs. That gives you your Daniel Jones scramble opportunities. So like the Jones rushing overs, no matter what, the Saquon rushing overs, I want to see what the Jaguars injury report looks like. Yeah, Jags fifth in uh, blitz rate too. And, um, you know, they're not afraid to do that too. Dave, what do you think here? Uh, I think Ben pretty much summed it up. It's it's really Trevor Lawrence has been okay against the blitz, has completed 63% of his passes for just over six yards per attempt. So not too terrible. But at the same time, yeah, it's just a, a very tough read since I, I don't want to disrespect what Brian Dable's done, but it's clearly been a lot of comeback in the second half uh, against a less than stellar schedule too. So this is a game that initially when it got laid the line, I said, I have no idea I'm staying away. So I genuinely don't have a preference. I don't know. Yeah. I leaned, I leaned towards Jacksonville initially. And then the more that I handicapped the game and I'm just like, ah, oh, but maybe not, you know, like, and then those are, I kept running to those pitfalls where it's, Okay, well, the Giants' offensive metrics are still pretty good. The Jags could be, you know, missing some some talent up front. I do like the Jags in the running game against the Giants. Giants' run defense, 29th in EPA, 30th explosive run rate allowed, 28th in DVOA. So 
they have an advantage there, but obviously the blitz versus Lawrence is, you know, could be an issue there in, in moving the ball like sustainably and successfully here. I think it is worth noting that four of the Jaguars first six games were also on the road. This will be, or yeah, I think it's four, four road games already. So, I mean, this will be one of their, their first or their few home games so far. So I think that that's notable. I mean, obviously they, they shut out Indy at home. They held Houston to 13 points. They, they lost, but still, you know, I think that their defense has played a lot worse on the road this season. So I think that is notable as well. I'd lean towards Jags minus three because I want to, just like it's an overarching, you know, theory, I want to fade the Giants, uh, and I do think that the Jags are better than they've shown. But there are a lot of granular pieces that you guys have mentioned that you know make me not be as excited about it. If we caught a two and a half, I think I'd probably play it. Three is a little bit tough. Yeah, and this is it too, right? Dalton chiming in. The Giants can't be. No way the Giants can be six and one. <laughs> right, but they can. And guess what? They play Seattle next week. Like they could be seven and one, right? And we're going to be like, no. But it could happen. I, and I just, I don't know. There's there's enough here where, like, they can put themselves in position and win football games. And as Ben said, like, we can invite variants and it's just going their way right now. So um, I'm reluctant as well. Like, I haven't got in on this. I probably lean Giants, which I absolutely hate. Um, but I just, I'm not taking it. Probably three would probably be the right way to take it because I'm probably likely to go to, you know, three and a half before we maybe go to two and a half. But we'll wait and see. Again. Running, running, running out of marquee games here, but uh, we are going to, I guess the bell of the ball this week will be Kansas City on the road in San Francisco. There are juice two and a halfs out there pretty much everywhere. Uh, 48 and a half is the total. Looks like in hindsight, it was a pretty classic look ahead spot for the Niners. They played Carolina in week five. They did stay on the East Coast for the week six matchup against the Falcons. Came out flat, really never got it going. Uh, a lot of injuries, obviously, but some of those guys are trending towards coming back this week, if not this week, next week against the Rams in a game that we know that they want quite a bit. Niners in the look-ahead market, great look. Uh, they are catching two and a half against the Rams if you uh, like to get into look-aheads. Um, and Chiefs obviously looking to bounce back as well. Ben, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I was so looking forward to this game and handicapping this game and the matchup of this game and the football dirtiness of this game. And then the entire Niners defense got injured. It's like, okay, well, this isn't fun anymore. Uh, and so, yeah, like boring answer in the same way we've had some of the other answers. But this is a very, very big kind of wait and see what your Thursday, Friday injury reports look like. The big names for me are uh, Traverius Ward, who with no Emmanuel Mosley is really the only standout corner that the Niners have. Certainly Jason Verrett, who's had a full practice, might play, but I'm not really putting too many eggs in the Jason Verrett basket in terms of finishing a game and playing quality football during the game and so on and so forth. Because uh, if you want to beat the Chiefs, you play man coverage. This is not as good of a wide receiver room as it's been previously. There's no Tyreek Hill issue. Uh, so so long as you have a guy that you feel you can match up with Kelsey, then you like your one-on-ones with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and so on and so forth. Well, the, the Niners aren't going to be equipped to do that without Trivarius Ward. So that's the big name you're looking for in that regard. And then you know, Nick Bosa is going to be a big name no matter what. But the Niners are not going to blitz. They're going to rush four. That is the formula against Mahomes when you can get home. If you can't get home, you're giving the best quarterback in the league time. Not advisable. Uh, and without uh, Nick Bosa, you already have the the issues with uh, no Javon Kinlaw, no Samson Ebukam potentially, no Drake Jackson. Like It's just such a thin group up front because of the number of injuries that if the star isn't out there, Bosa, who's limited in practice, optimistic he can go but not guaranteed yet, then this Niners defense could be too depleted. Uh, so I got the Chiefs on the look-ahead line for this game before last week at minus one and a half. Minus two and a half with juice is probably about the border of where I'd take it. I still think that with the, with the way the Niners defense is beat up, uh, you're, the Chiefs have such an advantage offensively that they're going to cover. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be laying like minus 118 with this. That's too rich for my blood. 
teams aren't afraid to play man, which is unusual. We saw even last week the Bills, a team that almost exclusively played man up to the last week's game, unleashed or by zone, played a lot more man than normal last week. So again, they're just the weapons in Kansas City aren't scaring you, Daigle. What are you thinking about this one? And it does again come down to the injury report. The Chiefs play the toughest defense they'll play all year in the Bills last week and still averaged over six yards per play. They aren't they won't struggle to move the ball here at all with all these injuries against the 49ers. At the same time, though, I think the 49ers can bite back because Jimmy Garoppolo averaged 27 pass attempts per game before last week. And then, of course, the Falcons, because of these defensive injuries for the 49ers, moved the ball with ease, forcing Garoppolo into a season-high 41 pass attempts. The difference is, for a lot of teams who want to be run-heavy, what do you think happens when you have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle being forced into the game? Good things happen. It's okay for the 49ers to play from negative game script because they're prepared to. So I, I do think we actually get fireworks in this game. The Chiefs also banged up in their secondary, forced to start two rookie corners, two backup corners last week, maybe doing so again this week. So, yeah, I like the total even as high as it is. I, I think both teams move the ball with ease in this one. Yeah, total total 48 and a half right now. And as you mentioned, I, the Kansas City came out strong a little bit from their defensive metrics. Now dropped down to 25th EPA, 28th in DVOA, uh, same versus the path, pass, 13th versus the run. So like they have holes, like as Daigle was saying, and that was kind of you know my take is that I think that the Niners could be able to move the ball here, but I'm just a little bit more confident in the Chiefs doing that uh, you know, against this you know, beat up Niners D. Also, your boy Noonan uh Hafunga. Talanoa Funga, you know, he, he, I don't think he's going to play. I mean, concussed. he played last week, but then he was concussed and they said that he was like having symptoms, which obviously given the current climate of everything, you know, huge, no, no, you can't roll him out there. I mean, it got to give him at least a week. Uh, so look at you learning defensive play. I'm so proud of Talanoa you. Hufanga, baby star. Gotta get the name right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Noonan like week one was like that Hufanga guy, you know, I'm like, who are you talking Listen, about? Listen, Noonan like, can catch up. Back in 2019, Ben was watching USC football saying, oh, that Hufanga guy, that can't compile with this. Yeah, just you know, rewind the clock a couple of years. Uh, well, I mean, you got to get into the tackle prop streets then. I mean, they're pretty ripe. Noonan has built a, you know, a cult following of tackle prop, you know, oh, zombies. I got to investigate kinda... this. I never taken no tackle prop before. And so un uncharted waters for me. I'll start sharing them in the chat a little bit. I'll let oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> let the, the uh, subscribers get it, but I'll share it with the uh, little inside group. We're, uh, we're having some success so far in the tackle streets, pretty soft market. So, yeah, I, he's he's definitely a difference maker uh, in the back half for sure. So, um, wouldn't be a great week to go for him in the tackles anyway, with the way that Kansas City plays. But uh, yeah, I think you know lowest point of entry here would be a Niners team total if that's something you're looking at. There's a juiced twenty two and a half, which is important on MGM. Uh, twenty three and a half out there, pretty much everywhere else. If you wanted there, and the Chiefs are out there twenty five and a half from a team total standpoint too. Obviously, if you like the game environment in general, you can obviously just take the game total, but those are some of the team total looks there too. Will probably be the best game of the week though, because we just don't have, uh, we don't have a lot here on the card to be super excited about. So uh, what is Dalton talking crap about? Sounds like a type of poison mushroom. Oh, is he talking about? Uh, yeah. He's, Hufanga, he's not yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, not bad, Dalton. So, all right. Any other key looks? I know we didn't talk about any great games this week, but did anyone have something off the board that they really want to share with the folks? Uh, Daigle, anything that, that you have in the games that we didn't talk about that is a look for you that you want to share with the people? No, I think the Lions-Cowboys game is really interesting, but Cowboys are rightfully laying seven. Maybe, maybe not rightfully, actually. Uh, we'll see if Kellen Moore cowers back to poor play calling, as he's always done with Dak, or if he calls an aggressive game like he did with Cooper Rush on early downs. 
that the range of outcomes for that one feel pretty it's drastic, wild right it's yeah. way out yeah. there yeah yeah I, I like Lions team total over, and then I don't yeah. want to touch anything else with a 10,000 football. Yeah. Lions before that Patriots game, before the injuries caught up to them, were tops in the league in yards per play. So, like, we know they they should be able to move the ball here. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be fun. And getting healthy, right? We got Amon Ra back. We got Swift back there, I think, for both of those, and that definitely helps too. Um, ben, how about you? Anything that you like on the card this week? No, like yeah, Lions team total over is one that that I was I was willing to bring up, and I think if you if you like the Lions to cover, then that's kind of implied as well. I think plus seven is a little bit long, and there's no way the Lions defense keeps this a low scoring contentious affair. Like if you're going to get a cover, I think you're going to get it because there's points on the board in both regards. So I like that. I also like Jets money line. Uh, this Broncos defense is good. I understand that. Zach Wilson not as good. I understand that. I trust the system. I trust this running game. I, I've seen enough over the past few weeks and the way they're moving the football with Brees Hall, Michael Carter, and these two back sets that I expect them to be able to put at least 17, 20 on this Broncos defense or get over the team total. And then you're asking me, all right, does Russell Wilson slash Brett Rippon score points? And I, with Russ, I'm positive. No, with Brett Rippon, actually, maybe. And that's what makes this one a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, tricky, but I like the Jets team total in that, in that Broncos game. And I also like the Jets straight up. Yeah, I just wild. I want to be I want to be careful though because the rust to Brett Rippon situation seems a lot like Baker to PJ Walker when we were like can it get worse no but it actually can get worse if you're not careful oh so. trust me Panthers plus ten ticket last week I know exactly just how much worse <laughs> it got for that holy smokes felt good for a little bit uh, yeah oh, through three quarters I'm a genius yeah <laughs> how about you Connor is there anything off the board uh, here that we didn't touch on that you think is is worth sharing. Yeah, uh, Monday Night Football, Pats minus eight. Uh, I think I'm fine with it up till 10. I mean, honestly, just when looking and breaking down this game here, the Pats, the Bears do one thing well, and that's run the ball. Pats last two weeks have held two of the best rushing teams in the league to 4.0 uh, 4 uh, yards per carry to opposing running backs. Field's been pressured over 50% of his dropbacks so far. Pats ninth in pressure rate. I assume Bill Belichick is going to be able to disguise pre-snap. And, you know, during the snap is going to make it really difficult for Fields to go through his reads, which he already struggles with immensely. Longest or second longest time to throw under pressure, second longest time to throw in a clean pocket. Uh, I think that this is going to be like a downright disaster. And then on the other side of the ball, um, I think the pass should have success on the ground here. Bears defense, 23rd in EPA, 28th in explosive run rate allowed. Uh, I don't really care if it's Mac or Zappy. I think either way, as long as they don't turn the ball over, they should beat the Bears by 10, 14. I'll be, I'll be laying some alts here. Yeah, 15 and a half on the team total on the Bears feels a little high, a little yeah. rich, right? I we could have point a uh, five would be probably about right for the team. Right? Total <laughs> we could have like I'm um, seeing ghosts kind of game here for poor Justin oh, yeah. Fields in a, in a primetime matchup. It's not going to be that's not going to be great. Um, I think the Raiders team total is interesting. I know Darren Waller is out and that hurts them a little bit. Um, again, 26 and a half. I don't know. The Raiders, again, both teams coming off the bye, which is weird. Like they need to fix this. Like they should, you should at least have the, the one advantage. If you're going to have a schedule like this, they're like what you get at least a one game advantage of having rest, but like Texans and Raiders coming off a bye, which is just really weird. But the Raiders are basically the anti Titans. Like they get into the red zone and they just kick field goals. They're averaging like three field goals a game. I think that's going to start to um, handle itself a little bit here. Texans, I think, are also going to have some regression. They've been okay. I know they're I've talked about them a lot. Like I think they're probably better than at every level that everyone thinks, but they're still not really good as a unit. And a lot of that has to do with the quarterback position. But 31st defensively in yards per game, 26th overall in DVOA. Yet they're just eighth in points per drive allowed. 
So it's kind of noisy. Like they'll probably start to uh, work itself out there. A lot of the fourth fewest touchdowns per red zone trip on the season. This is a good spot for Josh Jacobs. I think it's a good spot for Devontae Adams in this passing game. So uh, Raiders over 26 and a half, I think is still a good look, even without Darren Waller, who's been pretty quiet this season. I know obviously him being on the field, you have to account for him in a different way, but maybe Foster Moreau comes in and uh, stretches the seam for them a little bit. They're starting to get a little bit healthy. So Raiders are probably uh, a worthwhile look there too. So Ben, as always, really appreciate it. Tell the folks uh, where they can find your stuff, where they can follow along. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me. Uh, the ringers, the spot, yeah, rigor NFL show, Bill Simmons pod is where I do my gambling stuff. Uh, yeah. Play on YouTube, Benjamin Solak on Twitter, just Google ringer, Ben, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> uh, tell Bill, I said, hello, old school, AOL only guy checking in here. Oh yeah. The, uh, oh yeah. You know, back in the day it was a blog. He was like, yeah, back in his uh, Holy Cross days, and everything was a movie reference. And now, of course, you see the spawned off into the you know rewatchables and all that stuff. So yeah, big, big Simmons fan here for sure. Uh, Diggle, uh, where can everyone find your stuff? Simmons and previously Rick Rally fan until he sold his soul. Uh, <laughs> I, you can go to 44.com for my waiver wire column, and of course DFS content coming back on Friday. 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. Eastern live on U- our 444 YouTube to catch the actual DFS show. We'll talk about that Bengals-Falcons game in depth for sure. Connor, bets, bets, props. I'll be at a wedding this weekend, so prop card might be a little bit light, but you know, I'll still find a way to get down some serious action. Love it. Prop drop show tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. Again, share the shows with your friends. It helps us a lot. 444.com slash plans to get the betting sub. You can get in the Discord get you access to literally everything on the site all sports we've got nba uh if you want to start grinding nba props we got guys firing off uh that on the daily as well so for ben and connor and Dangle, i'm noon and we'll see you next week <laughs>